1: Cool Button Hockey Podcast, episode 37. Steve Penny, remember him, is underway. (laughs) All-Star Weekend is over. Fab February is on. So much to get into. I look at All-Star Weekend like, you know, cotton candy. You're not getting full. It is what it is. We probably care more about it than the average fan. Am I here to change each of the competitions? No. Enjoy it move on if you got a better idea let us know so it's good but we probably think it's better because we're in hockey like we probably give it a higher grade because we're in
0: hockey craig here's what i would say it's a spectacle you got and it's you got the best players in the nhl for the most part obviously some players that are injured uh you know can't make it it's a spectacle and then you decide you're going to have it in vegas what should be even a bigger spectacle and let creativity flow let it all be like like go to the fountains of Bellagio and, and and have a little contest. Like the bottom line is, it let it be what it is. You know, it's never going to be a competition, but there is uh, some competing going on in the three on three and in the skills competition. Let just celebrate it. Celebrate it as a spectacle. All the play. Do the players have fun coming? I don't see the players not having any fun coming. And I think the people that take it in from the fans to the, to the, to the stakeholder sponsors, they all enjoying it. So let's just enjoy it ourselves. That's the way I look at it.
1: Yeah. And we don't have to take it too seriously. If something works, we do it again. The Bellagio thing and the cards is Vegas. We won't see it next year. Next year might have to do with the, you know, Atlantic ocean and the fish or whatever shooting into the ocean. I would just say if Steve Mayer asked me this goalie streak thing, who cares about the goalies? I would have eight guys, McDavid, McKinnon, Kane, if he's there, Matthews, you rank them one versus eight. They each get three shots on the goalies. That's your shootout competition. And you have a winner. You have the the penalty shot shootout challenge, and then they'd have to do their own thing. And that's different from the, that's all that I would do. I think nobody's sitting there going, who did the street? And I know they're giving the goal. Think about that though. Oh my God. So now we're down to the final. It's McKinnon versus McDavid. They get three shots each coming in on Andre Vasilevsky. And here you go. Like that's the home run competition for us. That's all my suggestion would be. Cause then you're like, Oh, that'd be, that'd be pretty good. You know, somebody versus somebody, Oh, they win or whatever. Even if it's one shot each. And then in the fun, that's, that's what I would add. That's my, Little suggestion, and I think that would be fun. And then you see the Forsberg or the St. Louis spin or whatever, and there would be no rules, no rules in the shootout. That's my little thing that I would add. And I think it would make it a little bit.
0: That's all. Well, that's, that's the creativity of it. Right. And that's the spectacle, like just add different elements and, and, and and let your mind start with a blank canvas. And in the case of this, you have a canvas already. Well, just fill it in and, you know, try to try to understand how you make the, uh, the painting a little bit brighter, a little bit more, uh, 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 I guess, enjoyable to look at. And I think that when you have your best players, and your best goaltenders in that type of a competition, it's fun. And then they, they're having fun, right? And they, I mean, I mean, Trevor Zegers, you know, decides to go blindfolded. I mean, it's unbelievable, right? Like, you know, and you know, you think about spatial awareness. Like you, you put on the blindfold, you gotta you gotta know exactly how you're spinning and be directed. You know, somebody else, like you blindfold me, I, I'd end up shooting the puck in the corner. I'd have no idea where I was. But this is why these players are are the best on the planet. And that was pretty neat what Trevor did.
1: Yeah, it was a good weekend for a lot of reasons. The people that went felt normalcy other than some masks. Uh, Jack Hughes crossing, you mentioned the serious part of, we're not going to test asymptomatic players now. And the border is the only issue in terms of, I think, worried about COVID for the most part. State of the Union had Montreal maybe moving the draft. Fans in Canadian cities and in and, and Arizona. So where are you on the seriousness of what's most important now, February
0: on? Okay, well, why don't we just look at why don't we just take the Jack Hughes, you know, going into COVID protocol? Okay. So there's no testing of asymptomatic players now post All-Star, right? So now you, you you have a situation because Jack Hughes and the New Jersey Devils have to cross the border, they have to produce a negative test. Well, now this is a real challenge for the NHL. Okay because here's what ends up happening with teams what about teams okay New jersey is not is not in a playoff spot they're not going to make the playoffs so you know you, but you're you're clearly shorthanded not having jack hughes in your lineup what about teams coming across the border that are trying to gain points and they run the risk of losing one of their good players and in a playoff race or or in a position race how, how are teams going to feel about that you know, we talk about and and I mean that's run by the federal government. That's Canada federal government. But you know, like you got Florida, you got Tampa Bay that are fighting for position with Toronto, and they're going well. We got to produce a negative test, and we got to come in Toronto, and I I might not have Bobrovsky or Vasilovsky playing, and lose position of the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's a real problem, Steve. That's a real serious problem. And if I'm a if I, and you know we talk about seeding, we talk about placing in the game. It's great. It's great to not, like, like, you know, the direction that they're moving, you know, and, and, and confidently that they're moving. And I've said this about the NHL. There's no reason to not trust what the NHL has been doing because since the beginning of this pandemic, everything they've done has been the right thing. I got real concerns. If I'm a team coming into Canada, fight for a playoff position, and I might not have some of my players because they, they produce a positive test. That's a problem. And when you analyze the fact that you and
1: I are in Canada right now, and we're asymptomatic, we may or may not be carrying the virus. And if someone had it before, they don't even get tested because it stays in their system. You're kind of clear NHL wise for 90 days. uh, And in our society, you're clear, you can actually cross the border easier if you had COVID. If if you were, if you had it on July, on January 1st, you could have gone to all-star and came back easier than somebody who had to get tested. So then you say to yourself, Jack Hughes crosses, stays with the devils. Basically he's in quarantine in his hotel, hangs out at the rink, hangs out at the, at the team lunch, plays his game and leaves. Is, is this necessary? Is this necessary? Is it necessary to have nobody in the crowd? Like what's the difference February 7th to, to March 10th or 17th? Like our, it, it it, a lot of these things i went to a restaurant saturday night pizza place packed in a room that's like everyone's living room must have had 100 people there so what's that difference than putting 100 people in every section of the bell center or scotia bank like i know that you called it first and taught me what an endemic is feels like we're already there 54% of canadians feel it's done like we're done, it's, it's over. Gary talked about the loss of revenues and other things and moving the draft. It just feels when some, if, if I push you into the pool, you're wet. You can't get more wet, you're, you're, you're soaking. You get out and we're starting to dry off. It feels like we're there basically. Maybe there's some slight damp, dampness, but when you read the science that says someone who's vaccinated somebody that is not spreads the virus at the same rate, and, and, and the numbers and, and where we are in decline. John Hopkins has come out with some unbelievable. Are we reading these findings? I, it feels we're, we should be there now. And if somebody's going to say, you guys are talking about the Florida Panthers losing a game to Toronto. I think what we're talking about is realism of where we're at. I agree with you. It's a problem. Jack Hughes would be playing tonight if the Devils were at home to Ottawa, but he's not because they're in Ottawa. It just, I'm, I'm a common sense guy. And a moderate in this whole thing, it just feels the common sense is let's go, let's get back to where I think we are, and the science says we should be right now, not March
0: fourteenth. Well, here's the problem we have, and, and and this is the significant problem. It's about the it's about the stress on the healthcare system in Canada, and there's no question that there's stress on the healthcare system. So what the, you know, with these uh, uh, with these regulations and, and the, that are put in place, it's trying to protect. The, the, the healthcare system and the healthcare system in Canada is very different than the healthcare system in the United States. And, and I get that. I like, you know, and, and, and we have to recognize that and we have to respect that. Right. So, you know, p- because, you know, you have doctors, nurses, frontline care workers that aren't able to come to the hospital because they've tested positive. So until that d- dissipates and, and there's a confidence level and, and then there's been some movement in that regard. You know and and hopefully that movement continues in a positive direction and and that and we have to recognize that that's all I'm saying right so you know and that's where the, the, the that's where the science has to come in but from a competitive point of view like it, it matters it matters if the Florida Panthers, Finish in third place and have to start on the road in the playoffs as opposed to at home because they lost some points coming into Canada because they didn't have some players that were asymptomatic that tested positive. You know you're going to have in the Western Conference teams are going to come up and play in Calgary and Edmonton that that are going to that are in, they're in a race with those teams for playoff spots. You know, and they're going like, well, I got to come up and play Calgary. and I'm missing two of my players, two of my good players. Like th- that's a problem. from a competitive point of view that's a big problem it has nothing to do with I shouldn't say has nothing to do that's just part of the regulations but make no mistake like I said I'm I'm the owner in Florida and I got to come up to Toronto and play and I'm going like well you know I don't have one some of my imagine you got to come into Toronto and play without Barkoff and play without Aaron Ekblad because they produced a positive test no it's not good.
1: Well, what that's about where,
0: a, well, that's where you might say, hey, they can come down here. We'll go play in a neutral site.
1: Well, that came up. Apparently, Ottawa was one of the teams <laughs> that asked. Toronto said, this is our home. It could happen the other way around. Matthews and Riley could come back from St. Louis, and they could test positive, and they yeah. can't play in the, as Florida's waiting for them. And exactly. then you're going, like, oh, my goodness. Um, so where are you on the worried level of getting through? I mean, when I heard the draft could be like the drafts in July, we're worried about July. I thought we'd just have to get through the next five weeks till we get to the 14th of, of March and Canadian buildings back at full capacity, except Ottawa. I don't want to be a full capacity this year at all. And except for that. Or in Montreal. Well, I, yeah, you're right. That's true. That's true. Um,
0: so or in Vancouver or in Winnipeg. Okay. <laughs>
1: Okay, so Edmonton, Calgary, and Toronto will be at full <laughs> capacity. They're excited about their playoff chase. And then we're, we're waiting for when it's then over. And then when they might say we're not testing the players or we're not testing coming back. or So what you're telling me, if we're testing game seven, Toronto, Florida, in Toronto, because Florida missed some games earlier in the year, on the way back, Campbell, Riley, Matthews test positive, they're not playing game seven. got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding me. The-
0: Under the present regulations, that's how it works, Steve. I'm not kidding you. That's how it works. Let me just quickly add that the planning that goes into the draft is significant. Like, if they're going to switch the draft, they they can't just wake up on June 15th and go, we better switch it. There's a lot of planning that goes into that. So, you know, they're they're waiting to see what the Quebec government's going to do with with their mandates and regulations and then go from there. But you're right, Steve. Imagine that. Under the current regulations. That's exactly, exactly a scenario that could play out. Exactly.
1: Okay, so folks, keep that in mind. We're trying to change. We'll see if any change does come over the next few days or weeks. Jack Eichel was in the news over Vegas weekend reading basically almost cleared for contact. So Houston, <laughs> we have liftoff. When guessing, is it probably March? Give them a good three weeks to practice. And what happens with, the tough stuff, the cap trading someone. They got a lot of guys who have been banged up, the more banged up, I guess it's been patch and stoner back now. So where does this play? Like if I'm, I'm just guessing if I'm William Carlson and I haven't had a great year, am I on the shopping block? Like, is he going to be like, how do we crunch these numbers? If, if you don't know, Craig, how does the guy in Montana or Montreal crunch numbers about the, cap space of the vegas golden Knights.
0: i'll make it real simple i'll I'll, I'll try to simplify it as best as i can okay jack eichel makes 10 million dollars a year he's on long-term injury reserve okay you're not count like you know it's like you know for for purposes of putting a team on the ice you know he's separate and independent the minute you want jack eichel to become an active player on your team find 10 million dollars that's as simple as that so go find 10 you can find 10 players at a million you can find five players at $2 million. You can find two players at $5 million, right? I mean, the math is real simple. You can mention names until now, until the end of time, okay? Just look at the dollars. Now, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have to find $10 million. That's where they have to find $10 million a room. That, 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 that's as simple as that, Steve. So It's not, it's not prorated or when he, if he comes back. I, I, I'm simplifying it here for oh, you. Okay. You got to find $10 million of salary yeah it's prorated so i don't care what it is so you prorate it down so you still got to find two times five million pro prorated down or five times two million that's what you got to do that's as simple as you can put it i'm I'm not going to get into the machinations of like, oh well they have this much they only have to find 9.3 million just look at it simply that way and that's where the vegas gold night but here's the other part of it steve You've you, you got a team in Vegas that's a really good team, and now they've added Jack Eichel. They're going to subtract players. They have to subtract players. Now, could they you know end up with a situation where Max ready, goes on long-term injury because of an injury? I don't want to see that happen. Could they have something with Mark Stone and they go, okay, well, at the end of the regular season, you know we're just going to add those guys and they don't have to do anything. A la, other teams have done this. You know, as recently as last year, when I say done this, they've been confronted with this. So that's a scenario that could play out too. You know, you get injuries, right? And you play it out and then, oh, playoffs start and you just reactivate them and it doesn't count, right? So that Tampa Bay last year, that, the, 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 that's something that could happen. All I'm saying to you is, is that the Vegas Gold Knights are an interesting entity, interesting entity. Because other teams are looking, well, who would we like off that team? Who would we like off? And, and the Vegas Gold Knights are going, well, we got to move this guy potentially. And Kelly McCrimmon's talking to teams around the league. And teams are phoning him, trying to understand, you know, who could we get? You know, and teams, and, and it's, it's got to be all teams. Because if you're trying to build your team and you're out of the play, you're Montreal, you're, you're in the New Jersey Devils or whatnot, and you're looking at opportunity, this is an opportunity that doesn't come along all the time. So what can you do with it?
1: It's almost real, yeah. It's almost like their own mini expansion draft of Uh losing some. So, Arizona says, Listen, Boston, do you want Marsha? So, because we'll get them from Vegas, we'll take some salary, and we really like Jake DeBrusque. I'm just saying, and then and a pick. So, someone that you know, because Vegas is not going to trade in theory, you know, if if Colorado like Marsha, so Vegas isn't going to get oh. Oh, we'll give you No, they're going to say, we're not doing that. So that player might go through Arizona and end up in Minnesota. If Minnesota likes Riley Smith, I'm just using that as an example. Uh, Dallas is going to eventually get rid of, you like to think two high profile players on their team. So maybe they're not in the mix, but maybe somebody like Ottawa is, oh, we'll do this for you. Detroit, we'll do this for you. They got cap space. So you have a facilitator of a third party team that gets some, some, some picks and prospects for doing the move which would then make the trade deadline even like this is a new thing we've never seen anything like this before really right where a team's got a add a player who hasn't played all year a star player and that player coming back means other dominoes as you said have to
0: fall well we saw it last year with Nikita Kucherov he had the he had the he had the surgery and he didn't play the whole season and then he showed up on the first day of the playoffs and away he went right so like you know But but that's why I say you have to allow, you know, you don't know what's going to happen between now and the trade deadline and, you know, how Vegas, you know, what 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 they have to be confronted with. You know, I'll give you an example. I'm Arizona Coyotes in Boston. You're giving me Fabian Lysel, their first round draft pick from last year. He's playing in Vancouver in the Canadian Hockey League. You're giving me you want Marshall. So it's Lysel. And if you're not giving me Lysel, don't phone me. That's how it works. You know, you're not taking a second-round draft pick. You're exacting a price. Remember what George McPhee did in the expansion draft? He said, I'm exacting a price. Well, guess what, general managers – you get a real chance now to exact a price on uh, George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon. Oh, uh, payback is up. Uh, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, you got an opportunity now. Uh, I heard a lot of complaining from Jay- Oh, George. He was, he, he can't believe what he did. What, what? What? He can't believe that he did what was best for his own team. Oh yeah. I know. Oh, that evil George McPhee looking out for the best interests of his team. Give me a break. Well, here we are five years later. You got an opportunity, NHL GMs, exact the price and exact the price from everybody. That's what it's about. Like, you know what? I'm not interested in players. I I want your best prospects uh, in discussion, your high picks. And the other thing I'm going to do, you want Jonathan Marshall? So you give me a first, you're not getting to protect it. You're giving it to me unprotected, unprotected. You know what? That's another leverage point. Unprotected. Just in case. Well, I'll guarantee you this. Just in case. You think the Montreal Canadiens wouldn't wouldn't want an unprotected pick or like you know like hey, like no Montreal last year you, you you no you don't get to protect your first round pick ah uh-huh. you want this player it's unprotected you can bet this will be
1: very exciting and very interesting by the time we get to March twenty first. Speaking of betting time now for kbi ice an inside look at the national hockey league brought to you by our friends at sports interaction sports interaction is you see them on the pod you hear them and on television canada's sports book 7th of february two games toronto carolina ottawa new jersey what are you thinking what are you thinking make some money
0: well, <laughs> what I'm thinking here is you got two really good teams in the Eastern Conference, the Carolina Hurricanes. Kyle Duba says he wants to evaluate his team. Well, you're going to get a real chance to evaluate your team under pressure, under duress. The Canes play, and they play hard, and they come after you at all times. Power play, even strength penalty kill. They never let up. And so I'm taking the Canes on the road in Toronto to beat the Leafs in front of 500 fans or less.
1: Yeah, don't, don't get me going on that. Uh, I'm not betting the puck line. It's a buck and a half either way. Doesn't It feels like a one-goal game. You got the Canes. I'll make it fun. I'll take the Leafs and the over. We're still figuring it out what's going on in the crease. Of Freddie, yes or not. Mraz going to start. Feels like a high-scoring game. I'll take the over and Toronto to win. It feels like a 5-4 game to me. The Ottawa, New Jersey game, I'm just taking the under. I don't care who wins. I don't think the hockey world is going to be watching. No Jack Hughes. Oh, my goodness. Ottawa in a snooze fest. Take the under in that one, Craig.
0: Yeah, and that's why Jack Hughes, he had to test to come into Canada. That's why he ended up in the COVID protocol. Because now uh, post-All-Star, no COVID testing for asymptomatic players. Anyway, Freddie Anderson's got to start coming back into Toronto. I'm taking two or less with Freddie in the net.
1: (laughs) Oh, Freddie boy. Hopefully he'll have a good game for Carolina. Should be a fun February 7th. Daryl Sittler night at the old building that's now called Scotiabank Arena. Check out all the NHL odds, props, and totals at SIA.com. That's SIA.com. And sign up today at sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod to place your bet or bets. Say it with me, everybody. Sports interaction is Canada's sportsbook. Craig, you've sat on many desks, television and radio for trade deadline, but you have been in the chair and made the deal. So that's what fans love is when you can take us inside the situation room of a general manager and we know who's in play. The eights in the East, we know those teams. Now maybe Don Waddell saying, look, I made some moves. I got Freddie Anderson. I got Tony D'Angelo for free. (laughs) You guys didn't want Tony D'Angelo. I took Tony D'Angelo. I knew, you know, oh, you done the I got to. So maybe he's not as active or he's poking around. And then we know the teams in the playoff mix and we know all the losers that might say, okay, so from a team trying to win perspective, when do you lay the groundwork? Did you lay it in the summer? Did you lay it at Christmas? Do you lay it now? Is it ever too late to make a call? You, you don't want to be the person. Hi, Lou. It's Craig Button. It's 257. We'd really like a, uh, we like a uh, uh Actually, we want your whole th- third line, fourth, fourth line. Click. Oh, I shouldn't have waited. Like, take us inside of the realism of the trade and getting a lay of the land on value. I heard, and I'm not an insider, that the price is high. It's high. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. You take us inside the situation room and the art of the deadline deal
0: you sold the house in your day this house or two haven't you yeah you set the the, do you start off by setting the price low on your house or high you always set it higher right and then the real estate agent comes in and says i think you might have the house a little bit priced a little too high so like nobody sets the price low like so you know like it's no so like yeah the price is high i get it and you can ask for whatever you want it doesn't mean you're going to get it you know, I, I have so many different places I could go. You know, you talked about Lou Lamarillo. I'm just going to go. Like, you get those calls at the last minute. I mean, those are the ones where you just laugh. You're like, really? Like, seriously? You haven't heard from this team, like, in, in, like forever? And now they want to make a deal five minutes to the deadline? You just, like, seriously? I, I remember one time I said to a GM, I said, put together the paperwork if you want it and send it into the league. And if it gets done, it gets done. But like, I'm not doing anything on it. Right. (laughs) Like simple as that. I I will like, you know what, You're, you're, you're in constant discussion, Steve, you know, with, with teams, you're talking, somebody reads in the paper, Oh, Steve Coolius is available. And so now they phone me up and they go, oh, like, you know, would, would you trade Steve Coolius? Well, just because you read it in the paper doesn't mean I'm going to trade him, but that's part of it. You're taking information and you're, and you're reaching out and talking to teams. So yeah, it, there's no set time that says, oh, I'm going to start here. I'm going to start there. You know, you're looking at your team. You're looking at, okay, how do we fit t- players into the cap? You know, who's got expiring contracts, all that stuff that goes on. I will take you back to 2001. And it's, I got two different deals to tell you about. We were looking for a centerman. We were looking for a centerman. And Mike Pekka was in a holdout with the Buffalo Sabres. So we could talk to Mike Pekka. Don Meehan was the agent. We could talk to Mike Pekka about a contract, what it would look like. And, you know, because you could talk to any restricted free agent. And so you're talking and you're trying to understand what it would mean. And at the same time, we're talking to Buffalo and we're going through it. And we're looking at, uh, you know, what, what it would take to, uh, to, to get, uh Michael Pecca. So anyway, we're going through, going through, going through and you know, it's getting down and you know, we, we, we think that we're, we're in a position where we got a real chance to get Mike Pecca. So uh, the night before the trade deadline, Darcy Regear, who was the GM says, you know, uh, uh, you know, l- it sounds like we have st- like the makings of something that could be really reasonable and uh, let, let, let's talk first thing in the morning. I just want to, you know, run it past our group early in the morning, and have a sleep on it. We've been talking for months. This didn't happen like in the day. So I'll wake up the next morning and uh, talk to Darcy. And Darcy says, yeah, I don't think that's enough. Talk about a 180 degree turn. Well, the 180 degree turn, you know, got turned right upside down on its head. I said, what do you mean, Darcy? I said, we've been talking about this. Yeah, While well, we've talked and like nothing else. So now I'm testing. Now I'm going to test the waters here. So I said to, uh, so I go on and I go, I talk to Donnie and I say, he goes, oh boy. I said, here's what I'm going to do, Donnie. I'm going to test Darcy. We're going to see really how serious he is. If, if he just wants to, you know, keep Michael Pekka out of the, out of the lineup, out of the league this year. Oh. So I said to Darcy, I said, you know, you said it's not enough. I said, I'm not saying I would do this. I said, but if I mentioned Jerome McGinley as a possibility, would, would, would that be something you would consider? I, I'm, not, I'm not trading Jerome McGinley. I'm just, I'm testing the waters here, right? Yeah. So anyway, he, uh, he goes, well, he, so he phones me back and he says, yeah, I don't, I don't think that would be enough. I said, thanks, nurse. Like, you know, I phoned Donnie, me and Donnie was so mad. He goes, they just want to teach Michael a lesson. They just want, and that's exactly what they did. They weren't interested in making a deal. And you know what? He wasted a lot of my time. I'm going to tell you a funny story that happened during the 2004 Stanley Cup final. Darcy Regeer went and was telling people that I was considering trading Jerome Ginla, right? Because Jerome was the star of that. He was trying to make me look that. And I just said, yeah, you want to know something? Let's just take that tact and say that I was going to trade Jerome Ginla." Well, do you know, I would have always been the second dumbest person in that trade. Because Darcy Regeer was the one that said no. He was the dumbest guy in it. So like, you know what? Go pound salt, Darcy. You know what? You didn't even realize what I was doing, but we knew what you were doing. Fast forward to that same deadline. We get to uh, Lou Lamarillo phones. He wants to acquire Tommy Abilene. Tommy Abilene is just an unbelievable person. He played for New Jersey. And so Lou's offering like a fourth round draft pick. And I said, Lou, I said, if you want Tommy Abilene, it's going to cost you a second round draft pick. Lou goes, oh my Lord, Craig, if I trade a second round draft pick for for, uh, for Tommy Abilene, I mean, I might be looking for a job. I said, don't worry, Lou, I'll hire you. And he laughs. laughs. <laughs> so Lou was great. Lou, I love Lou, right? Because Lou says, what's your rationale for that? For asking for a second round draft pick? I said, I have four young defensemen. We got 16 or 17 games left to play, which adds up to almost the full season. Tommy is such an integral part of our team. And if if I just let him go and i don't sit here and, and help our young defense members we're building for next year i'm abandoning them too lou says to me he goes that's really like i, I like that rationale you're, you're looking out for your young players you're looking out for your team he goes well if something changes let me know i said i'm also going to let you know because i have so much respect for him and i know you do too i'm going to go talk to tommy and because tommy's wife's sister was living in new jersey at that time too i went and talked to tommy Tommy goes no he goes i totally understand. And I said, if, if you tell me that this is something, he goes, no, Craig, he goes, no, I respect where you're at. And Tommy stayed with us the rest of the year. So those are just two different ideas of where you go. You know, Lou, Lou is just great. Right. And the whole thing we ended up, uh, but, but understand we ended up trading for Craig Conroy. We were right in there on Craig Conroy for Corey Stillman that year. So you're working two different places and we were working in other places too, to try to find that sentiment. I'm just sharing that part about, uh, about uh, we, we might end up with Pekka and Conway.
1: <laughs> you know what? I think the fans eat this stuff up and they love it. And it's exactly what's going on now. You know, if there are 25 trade deadline deals at the deadline, and then we add another 15 heading, in. if you had do a trade three days before the deadline, it's a deadline deal for God's sake. So we might get 40 and I would call, you know, 20 have a lot of meat on the bone. Like, you know, we're talking about major picks and prospects and and players going when you look at certain teams and this year's landscape and we do it from what we know, what we hear and not phoning the GMs, like an insider each and every day, will this be special? And what's the difference in your mind between a team? Let me just say Carolina wants to make a trade to make their team better. Who doesn't, I would say Toronto, Has to make a trade like they're if they go, they're all in, they're all in. And Kyle Dubas basically said the same thing on Sunday. They only have three picks, including a first rounder, and they traded a first rounder last year for Nick Felino. Now it didn't work out, but what does that mean? Well, we're gonna hang. No, no, they got an aging Tavares, they get an aging Muzzin, they don't know what's going on with Campbell. They got a really good team anyway. I think Toronto has to, and Carolina wants to. Would you buy my rationale? And how do you think this is going to play out in
0: 2021? 100% I buy your rationale. And, you you, you know, and so much focus I, I, for Toronto Maple Leafs fans, for, there's so much focus Oh, the first round draft pick and everything. Listen, you know, like first round draft pick just means you you, you get a shot at a player higher up in the draft, right? But, but I'll tell you right now, the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, three best prospects in my view were all drafted after the first round. And that is Matthew Nice, who's playing for the U.S. Olympic team uh, in, in uh, Beijing. You got Topi Nimala, who I think is the Toronto Maple Leafs' best prospect outside the end, who's, who's just tearing it up in the SM League, right-shot defenseman. And then you have Nick Robertson, who's had some injuries, who was drafted in the second round. So, like, they got some, they got some to me, some good prospects. And Nick Abruzzese, who's playing for the U.S. Olympic team, he's another player that was drafted after the first round. Really good players. Anyway, so... The key here to me is, and you talk about need and want, right? The How you have to begin, in my view, is real simple. You better assess your team and their needs and understand what does my team need? Because what Carolina may want may be different than what Toronto needs, right? And so you're always trying to balance it out. If you, you have trust, I just mentioned four prospects for the Toronto Maple Leafs, you trust your scouting staff that we're going to find players in in, in other parts of the draft, not just the first round. And, you know, you, you look at where can we improve and, it, and sometimes improvement is, is going to be significant. Other times it's just going to be, you know, some area of your team, you go, this gives us a better chance and you might want to improve. I've told you the story about our team in Dallas. We were looking to improve in 1999. We decided we had, we'd improved in certain areas on like on the edges with depth and everything. And we didn't make a trade and it worked out for us. Right. But, you know, you have to assess your own team first and foremost. I think with the cap, and you've mentioned it a number of times now, the cap creates a whole lot of different challenges than when I was working in Calgary. I mean, we had our own cap Dallas in the, in the nineties, but you all, you talk about third parties, you talk about, you know, managing your cap. I think that because the East is so clear cut eight (laughs) teams, the West is kind of defined in terms of where you're at. Right. But you look at what, Edmonton may need as opposed to where LA finds themselves and how important is it for the LA Kings to, to to try to find a way to be in the playoffs they, they got a good hard team they're competitive they got some good young players to me they're a team to watch they're a team that goes well we know how good Tampa Bay Florida and Toronto Carolina are in the east but how what could LA do Kopitar is playing it like at a high level Dowdy's playing at a high level. Quick's playing at a high level, right? Dustin Brown's playing really well. The younger players are fitting in. Like, I, I, if I'm a team in the West, I'm paying attention to the LA Kings. That's who I'm paying attention to because that's a team that could really spring up. That's exciting because they got lots of good young players in that cupboard too, in that prospect cupboard.
1: Yeah. I, I'm going to add another category then. You've got – Okay. Uh, so, Carolina um, – Wants to make a trade to get better. Toronto, Boston, Rangers, Washington are need. Washington needs a goalie. Rangers need a JT Miller impact forward. Boston needs a new David Krejci, uh, among other things. I'm saying Toronto needs another defenseman to play with Muzzin. And and we look at every team. I use the All Star break wisely. I went through every player in the league on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> not 1,000. I'm not the ones that I were not going to be around anymore. I kind of glossed through them. And I and I think. I put a team like LA in would like, so there's need want would like LA would like to now ship off some of their prospects that might be actually suspects to get a Jacob Chikrin to get something else. And when you've got cache in the bank, now's the time to strike. They would really like to make the playoffs as a three C two seat or a wild card team. And they started one, five, and one people were upset. Then they kind of turned the corner. Then they were two games above, back to 500. Three games above, back to 500. Then they got to four. And they've, so there's, Dano's really fitting in nicely. You know, Kaliev scoring some goals. Moore's playing well. Kempe, Kopitar, Ayafalo. They got two goalies. One they might have to trade because they want $10 million in goalies next year. So they're also kind of in a different mix. They're not making a trade that's going to win the Kings the Cup, we don't think. But then they're in the mix then. So this is, a, this is a lot in here. Will the Oilers improve their goaltending or not? They got Kane for free. Flames are good. I think the Flames are the second best team in the Pacific Division. We got a lot of teams in play here. Of course, Arizona is going to say, we'll help. Cap space. We, you know, Kessel's gone. Giordano's gone. Miller's probably gone. We got a lot of teams that are going to be doing something here. I'd like to think Seattle's going to do something, too. This could be really fun. And, and we got teams at different stages. Some are at the penthouse, some are on the high floor, but they want to get to the penthouse. Others are just the rebuilding, you know, others are, are we close enough to make a trade that really, this is neat. And by going through all 32 teams in the storylines, I like it now. Need want like, and it's, it's a good three pronged kind of horse of looking at what what's out there and we don't have all the answers craig but we're, we're evaluating saying it makes sense for the caps to get a goalie arizona to dish up take some cap space for the kings to trade some prospects this could be a lot of fun like this could be what we need in march like a v8 shot costanza like when he ate the fruit and uh, the whole thing moves the whole thing moves mr button would be really really fun
0: I'm just going to go one place here. All, all your points are are are, are totally uh, fantastic. And to me, you're right. Like, that's what you get to look forward to. But Jacob Chikrin, if Jacob Chikrin is available, I'm telling you, I'm phoning. If I'm Rob Blake, I'm phoning every single day. What's it going to take? And like, you know what? Like, when you're talking about Jacob Chikrin, like, you know, there's no problem trading a good prospect. It doesn't? And the LA Kings have a lot of good prospects. If I get a chance to get Jacob Chikrin, a 22-year-old defenseman, on a really, really good contract, right? There's a price to acquire that because you got him long-term. And to me, I'm ready to give up something significant. I'm willing to give up some of my forwards, my forwards prospects. You know, obviously I go back to the price. Yeah, when you're setting your price and what you want, it's high. And when you're trying to buy, you're trying to go lower, right? So i that's all the art of the deal. And it's not gonna be any different there. Now, I gotta finish here with this, okay? USA and Canada are playing the last game of the round robin at the Olympic tournament in in Beijing, right? Canada right now is rolling through the competition like a hot knife through butter. I'm going to say this right now. You know, we know what a great rivalry Canada and the USA have right now, based on what I've seen, Canada looks like the, the team to beat. They are fast, they are quick, they are aggressive, they are skilled. They have the goaltending. There were some, maybe some question marks around their young defense, but boy, do they look like they are firing on all cylinders. And that's after losing Melody Zou. They lost Melody Zou in the first game, the first period, with an injury, but Jamie Lederatry, who was the ultimate Swiss Army knife playing for Canada, has stepped in and performed just uh, unbelievably well. I can't wait to watch that game. 11, 10 Eastern time, Monday night, which will be a preview of the gold medal game on February 16th.
1: Sarah Filiere told you we watched her since she was 10. Yeah. Um, there was a joke going around because the Toronto sun or the Calgary sun had her on the cover. And instead of Mick David, they called her Miss David. And then people said, Hmm. And I know Connor.
0: I, I think they called her Miss Sarah. Didn't they?
1: I, I, I saw M S David, like Miss David. She's the McDavid and Miss David. I, I, that's what I saw. Okay,
0: okay. I didn't see see. Yeah, oh, she she because she should be Miss Sarah, and which is great. I know. Yeah, yeah. I know.
1: <laughs> and the joke just was, and it's nothing to you know for Connor's fiance or girlfriend. But if Miss David and McDavid had kids, that Hockey Canada would be, if they had the Brady bunch of kids, Hockey Canada would be set forever. Six on the boys side, six on the girl side, um, because. She was doing some things that the ultimate, like Sarah nurse. If you just turn around and look and you see the shot, you say, wow, that looked like Victor Hedman. Like she goes underneath the bar and rips a shot from outside the dots. You know, like the boys do. Like when you, like when you're saying, wow, like that's like, that's like Sarah Philly scored some goals that you're saying, is that Connor Bedard? And he scored a beautiful one on the weekend. And that's where the level Cheryl Pounder said this. This is the best team Canada ever. And I thought, wow, coming from her, this is something. What I see is modern hockey, the, the jets kick out on the three on two, the spin cycle where the right D comes up top, the left D moves. A, like things that they didn't do before Craig. I'm seeing things and wow of modern hockey. I don't know if they're going to win or not. The U S is aging and still good, but to see them play like to me, you know, you know when you're watching and seeing the progression of say women's tennis or women's golf and you're like oh my god of just unbelievable talent it's never been better i saw the first world championship in 1990 in that time frame to where we are now unbelievable skill and execution on team canada us and around the world like the, the sports never been better and we're seeing it
0: like right now right in front of our eyes no question about it, and let's keep in mind that the development has been tremendous and continues to improve daily. Uh, I, I said this. Uh, I was in Pyeongchang and Cheryl Pounder gave me a PhD uh, level uh, instruction on how the the women's game has progressed and in the very different areas that might not be evident. So don't let anybody tell you that women's hockey is not progressing. I was at the summit in 2011. Where the wonderful Murray Costello and the Hall of Famer Haley Wickenheiser talked about it. Women's hockey is fantastic. Well said. Those were our
1: final thoughts brought to you by Ultimate Hockey Fans. Not a person or a group of people, a product, a must for every hockey basement, male or female. UltimateHockeyFans.ca forward slash cool button pod for more information or our discount, and you can get whatever you want. From the light fixtures to the lights to your favorite team. Or as we've said before, Craig, you can make up your own. If you got a podcast, they'll do it for you. You've got a minor hockey league team, Paul will build it for you. So it's very, very exciting. And it's exciting watching these young kids grow up to be women and do some special things. And it does say, as the commercials say, if you see, you can believe and you give yourself a chance. And think of the eight-year-old in Moscow or Minnesota or Montreal that's watching now and saying, hey, eh, like Steve's son, they might only want to see the Zamboni now and it's a lot of fun. But at one point, you know what? You're going to be skating circles around the Zamboni kid because we've seen these kids do that.
0: I have a great story for Thursday's episode, which will be episode 38 on the Cool Button Hockey podcast. Thanks for listening. Come back on Thursday, where I tell you the story about a Russian Olympic women's hockey player and a conversation she had with Ray Ferraro. Wow.